Hello, and welcome to episode 209 of Relics 4. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening is my wonderful co-hosts, uh, Shongaku, a.k.a. Eric, and potentially Spirit at some point, though uh, that may or may not materialize in the middle of this episode. How are you doing this evening, Eric? I am doing pretty good. I have... I'm making my peace with uh, the new guild hall as I'm slowly but surely figuring out how to build in it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm doing I'm doing good. Good. Um, yeah. So this week, just for spoiler information, warnings, etc., we are probably going to be focusing somewhat on the story in the first map, so the Crystal Oasis and the various story instances that take place there. I don't believe that we'll touch on anything outside of that, but um, we will definitely be talking about that stuff, so be warned if you have not yet done the story. Although I assume that anybody listening has probably done that by now, what, three weeks in? Yeah, we're three weeks in. Now we have the I opposite mean, problem. Now yeah. I'm starting to forget the story. Uh, yeah, I I had to go through and do, like, I've been playing through on another character, and I was also, like, earlier today, I was like, okay, what exactly happened in that very first few chapters? yeah some review i mean part of it is that the answer really is nothing happened but uh not totally um i sometimes when we do story we do sort of just instance by instance but i kind of don't really feel like doing that right now especially because we've kind of forgotten a lot of that so i'm sort of feeling a little bit more freeform for this episode is that okay with you sounds good okay um i I like that basically the first thing that happens is they introduce the mount mechanic and like get you used to it almost immediately. I mean, we we go to the Crystal Desert and there's a little bit of talking and a, and a little bit of fighting, but pretty much it's just like, yep, this is the this is the thing this expansion, so we'll just get right to it. Um did you I don't know, did you did you think that was too quick or were you glad that we could just sort of get right into the mix of things? I think it was really good to get right into the mix with them just because with the mounts just because they are such a huge part and the maps are very large so it would have been it would have been kind of weird to really not get you on those right away. I suppose they could have gotten you to and moon because you pretty much the first story is in inside the town and interacting and learning that and then had them maybe narratively had you requisition or purchase a, a raptor and then the, and then go out into the desert and that could have been used maybe to like keep people in a small space but at the same time I think it I think it works really well I was I was happy to get on my raptor and start jumping all over the place aggressively so I think I think it worked out well yeah me too and we sort of discussed a little bit earlier I don't remember if it was last episode or a couple ago but I, I really like the way that they get you into it by having you do the heart that involves the new mount and you sort of get free access to the mount for the purpose of that heart. I thought that was a pretty elegant way to teach you the mechanics while also helping you on map complete. You know, that's uh, something that is... I sort of harped on a little bit uh, with the living story last season that there was a lot of things that basically if you went and did map complete before you finished the story in the living story parts, it would then basically turn around and have you do things that would complete the hearts again. Um, and it felt like there was sort of a lot of wasted 
uh, double double down effort. And I think that it was it was good to just sort of right away say this is what you want to do. This is the heart. You get map complete credit for doing it, but it's also part of the story. Um, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was good. Yeah, I liked how I like how that worked. And yeah, it is nice to sort of get that. And then I will say I was slightly confused when I got to the uh, to the Springer mount because I bought the Springer mount and then I looked at it and I was like, why can't I buy another Springer mount for sick for a hundred trade contracts? Because for some reason I just did not see mini in front. Mm-hmm. And so I just saw mini. I just saw Springer mount. I'm like, why would do I have to buy them on every single character? So there was a moment of like abject terror when I got to the Springer Mount where I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to buy these on every character. That's insane. <laughs> but uh, no, no, it was just a mini. So that worked out better than I had was. Better than you were worried by. about. Yeah, yeah. I, all of a sudden, like I wasn't worried and then all of a sudden I was and then I wasn't worried again. So it worked out well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they th- they pretty much just throw us right into this. I... Did you spend much time in the prologue section? In in Lion's Arch? Yeah. Not a ton. Uh, was there anything interesting that you wanted to talk about from that? Uh, talking to various characters is interesting. I need to double check. I think that a member of your order is there, and it's different based on... No, no, that's not right. Uh, it was interesting to talk to, to certain characters. For example... Uh, uh, Dun- not Duncarl. Uh, ah, the other healer. Dwarf. It's all- oh, uh, Ogden? Ogden. You talk to Ogden for a bit uh, in one moment. Like, you can go talk to Ogden, and he talks to you, and he mentions, oh, hey, you need to... Uh, if you see anything interesting, which I need to actually see if there's any follow through with this, but he said, if you find any interesting lore about my people, bring it back to me and we'll talk, and I'd like to know if my people's, like, History is still there in this in the Shiver Peaks areas that connect to the Crystal Desert. So that was actually kind of interesting. It was a nice hint that, oh, hey, there's going to be some Dwarven stuff in this expansion, which I was not expecting. Like, so when I found that, that was an interesting hint. Uh, and so when eventually you get to the Highlands and you encounter the Dwarven ruins, I'm like, oh, cool. That was a sweet hint for this. Uh, so I like that. Uh, Farron was interesting he's in there and he he's like i'm gonna go with you and you're like ah i think you need to stay here and watch things you know make sure no one steals these supplies for the refugees and then farron is like of course that sounds brilliant and they they really played him like he's always been ridiculous and pretty silly but they definitely played him even hammier than normal and I guess maybe because I've been I've been on the Farron is E train. I'm just like, oh, that's that's really hammy. Like I, that doesn't really fit with my Farron is E vibe. But maybe that's what he wants me to think, because we're getting close to figuring it out. But yeah, so that was interesting. But that's funny. I totally miss Farron. I usually try and talk to him just because I think he's a I think he's entertaining as a comedy character. Also, I'm not sure if this is true. I, the, so there is a scene at the end of the game where you talk to... At the end of the expansion where you talk to a lot of different characters. Farron was in my area. And I haven't seen him necessarily in other people's like videos and stuff. Was Farron there at your end scene? My end scene. 
He was wearing a speedo. I did not notice weird. him. That doesn't mean okay. that he wasn't there. Okay. I'm not sure if maybe that because it sounds like there's certain things where if you make the first choice you made on your account actually can affect things. Like affect what shows up in that in that last scene. And I'm not sure if Farron is like is a guaranteed one. I know that your choice in the first story arc affects that scene a little bit. Uh, so I'd be curious if you guys, if listeners, if you found Farron in the last scene, let us know in the comments. Yeah, I didn't notice him, him and I did try and talk to everybody in the last scene, but... Um, did you get the talk to everyone achievement? I did. Oh, Oh, interesting. I think you had to have talked to him then at the beginning because he was required for me to get that achievement. Hmm. Okay. So that was interesting. Uh, so I really like that. Uh, and then the prologue sort of just feeds straight into the first mission, which you take an airship, which if anyone has seen any of the videos or, or well, most people played through it. So I don't think we necessarily need to talk about the, the cutscene unless there's anything you particularly were like, ooh, cutscene. No, not not particularly. Honestly, I uh, the cutscene game in this expansion was not super enthralling most of the time to me. Um, but I mean, it doesn't. It's not a big. It's not a big con. But I they didn't seem to take me in as much this game this uh, this time around. Really, just across the board, you weren't super into anything that was any of the, I guess, narrative cutscene. Uh, yeah, I'd have to really think about which ones there were, um, but some of them, well, some there was one or two that I was sort of more like annoyed at what was happening, and so whether or not the cutscene was good was not my primary focal point. But that's okay. You know, was I, that was that some of the cutscenes midway through, or yeah, okay, yeah, I, I... not in this chapter. Right. We'll we'll talk about the some of those cutscenes. One of those cutscenes was way more complicated than I realized. And then I read the wiki about it and I was like, "Oh, that's not what I was expecting." Well, I am excited because I Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I'm excited to talk to you about it later then. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> I guess back on track with the uh first story arc. Uh, yeah, it was the the first mission. Do you think they toned it down from the la from the last one? I know I was playing Scourge, so I just burned everything alive the first time through. But it was a little bit harder with my Firebrand. By the last notice, time, do you mean um, uh, Band or the the preview weekend event? Uh, I didn't really notice a difference, but I do think that a big part of it is simply that you're playing on your own character with your own unlocks and your own. You're playing with your own stuff, and so you... Whereas before, you sort of just had whatever build they had, and a lot of people probably didn't totally get their get their stuff sorted out the way that they're normally used to. At least that's how it was for me. I, I just sort of breezed through it, although I didn't have a super difficult time during the beta. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, did you feel like they changed it? I, I kind of didn't really... I didn't. I couldn't really tell. It seemed like I wasn't sure if it was just the fact that I was playing on Chongoku, who was you know geared and who I know well, even though it was on the Scourge, or if the Scourge was just really OP. But uh, it seemed seemed pretty fair. I, I liked the the opening. Yeah. Well, I think I do remember in the beta that I didn't 
because we weren't able to play our um, specialization classes in that one. And so I was just playing sort of a base Condi build and I felt like it was really weak at the time because, you know, I didn't get to, I didn't get to take advantage of things like um, Epidemic and stuff, or at least not as well when it's just you and you don't have Scourge to get those rapid burning ticks up. Uh, and then I remember switching to power and then breezing through it. Whereas in this time I was, as you said, playing on full scourge with my full condi ascended viper gear you know uh burn everything to the ground so it definitely went easier than it definitely went easier than my condi run through it but i i think that's just the nature of uh yeah i mean of having these the specializations the specializations are i mean they're just pretty strong so (laughs) not having those is kind of a knockdown for sure but yeah yeah so i'm trying to think so when you get to amnoon you basically immediately meet casimir i'm trying to remember when she sort of disappeared narratively yes in the living story uh living story episode five when balthazar reveals himself he massively burns uh marjorie and Casimir, rather than checking on Marjorie, just runs. Just nopes out. Yeah, she just nopes out, which is part of the reason why your characters are like, so how's Marjorie doing? Majorie, whose yeah. character name I can totally pronounce, Jory. How's Jory doing? And she's like, uh, she's doing okay. We're just taking a little bit of a break. It's totally not awkward. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you for asking me that super awkward question. You're welcome. I'm the commander. I ask awkward questions. I was going to say, isn't that exactly what we do? Yeah, uh, that's that's our role. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, okay. That's... Uh, so. Yeah, well, because it seemed like... Again, this... I know that we talked about this again during Living Story, but I haven't quite decided if they're really keeping up still with the time passes in real time because if it does those two have been fighting for like a year right and time does not pass they so they've so with what was it i think heart of thorns yeah when heart of thorns launched we basically lost the uh real time connection uh the real time time line uh lining up with our time with real world timeline so as far as i know this like it's very shortly after episode six like you figure out balthazar is there and i think there's maybe a day or two a few days in between while people are prepping and you're figuring out what to do and you're getting ready to go to to there it's enough time between the end of episode six for balthazar to have done enough damage and built a big enough army to have refugees already making it to to lion's arch so that's a time thingy i guess that uh so it's probably what maybe a month that they were having an issue because marjorie was healed and by the time casimir left i believe jory was healed Hmm. so i think it might have been like two months between while we tried to figure out exactly how to get there okay uh yeah i mean it's not a it's not a huge uh thing i just 
It's, yeah, I haven't been keeping that close track on how much time theoretically has been passing. I would say that's one thing that a few people have mentioned on Reddit and that came up in the AMA is that they, with this expansion, they kind of, time was a bit wibbly wobbly with this expansion. Uh, in fact, the writers specifically said at the end they did, they started with like thinking about, okay, how long did this actually take to happen? And at the end, they don't, they don't, they don't have an answer for our for timeline between episode six and the end of Pathfire. So we don't know exactly how long that. Sure. Because I mean, there's some narrative elements that's like, I feel like that narrative element that came later in the story should have taken a while to develop. Like the forged, their backstory, they did not come out of anywhere out of nowhere, but they were definitely not. Balthazar did not have them when he first showed up. That is 100% certain. Right. So somewhere between episode six or midway through episode six, maybe. I mean, maybe episode took six took a really long time. I suppose that's possible that episode six was just like a three month story that happened. Like we were being turned into people or a silver blade for three months or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I think the next major thing that sort of that I found really interesting was the dialogue where you decide who you're going to side with. Yeah. Yeah. Who did you side with? I sided with Amnoon Independence. Uh, Who did you side with? And then we can compare notes. So I sided initially with the Sun Spears because playing through as Shongaku, I still have my headcanon that Shongaku is Shongaku from Guild Wars 1. And so he would have been like, yeah, I know those guys. Uh, I'm going to back my old buddies, the Sun Spears. I mean, he, he may not he'd be a huge fan of Cormir, but uh, who they apparently all worship now. But yeah, I mean, you know, he had he had friends from the you, your, your Guild Wars one character had friends from the from the Sun Spears. This is true. I Cormir was basically the anti selling point for me. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's understandable. Yeah, I I'm trying to remember what exactly they said, but there was something that they said that basically made it seem pretty sketchy. Um, and like, I thought I thought that the choice was very strange because they were sort of trying to like downplay how effective they would be, and they were basically like, "Well, the really effective ones are the bad guys," uh, you know, um, the ba- you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What the, were they the Mordant Crescent. Yes, I love the name, by the way. Uh, uh, it's such a good name. They're like, and yeah, the back guys... piece is by far the best back piece. Yeah. It was like, okay, well, these guys are clearly the baddies, um, but they're like also the only ones that might actually make a difference. And you could totally get some help from this fallen order that used to be super cool that worships this goddess that nobody's talking or that no, that she's not talking to us anymore. And. You know, maybe they'll try and install a religious hierarchy, but like, you know, they might help. Maybe I'm like, hmm, that's that's not a really strong case you're making for yourself there. And then, you know, the bad guys obviously are the bad guys, so it takes a special kind of person to want to side with them. So I I do like it that does. You, it's, yeah, that you okay. sided with somebody different than me, though. I think that's interesting. I'll be I'll be interested to see how the the dialogue choice plays out. Um, 
there are a few I would say that a few people have definitely have noted and it is mostly true I am very curious how it's going to play out post this after this uh, I do know that there are a few I'm very curious to see how choosing the Mordant Crescent versus choosing the Sun Spears is going to cause things to play out uh, in the living world, in all honesty, because it does not have a huge effect on the rest of the story. Well, I wouldn't expect it to have a huge effect on the rest of the story, to be perfectly honest, because part of the reason that they don't have branching stuff very often is that it just takes a lot of development resources for not a lot of payoff, and so... I think that the most that it I think for the most part it's really just relegated to ambient NPC dialogue and then like different banners and then occasionally um you know some some different regular dialogue that's not ambient but I don't think it's I don't think it's ever really going to materialize solidly especially not for living world but yeah I did really like uh, I just want to say on an artistic note I really liked the banners in this game I think that they are really cool like the art on them is really good Yes, that's just like everywhere in the game. They they do they have this like banner mechanic several times, and I think that they pretty much look awesome every time. Do they have banner mechanics multiple times? Uh, sort of. There's uh banner mechanics in the Desolation. Hmm. What are you talking about? I, I, I'm, we're not talking about the cool back pieces, are we? Uh, no. Um, the basically the Joko banners. Hmm uh okay slight spoilers but like not really but one of the one of the hearts is to like tear down and deface palawa joko banners um oh yeah that's right and they look like the banners just look really cool like i stood there and just looked at them for a while yes oh yeah and that was fascinating that the banners in am noon change based on in, in the open world am noon change for you visually based on who you chose Right. That's the first what, time. Yeah, that's what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. And they that look is really, really interesting. Yeah, I love it. It's a it's, it's like it's a small detail, but it's a really immersive one. Yeah, it's really fascinating. It's and it's also showing that I think they're tracking your first choice. Actually, I know they're tracking your first choice because uh, there is a point later on in the story that actually. P- triggers off of what your first choice was during the first mission of hot sorry say that again there is a there is a event that occurs later on in in the story that is different based on what your first choice was during the first story instance of hot where you chose between either saving silvari or dooming them and this this difference is in this story or a difference that was it is in, in the Path of Fire story. Really? Yeah. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I assume not f- in this first chapter, though. No, it's much later on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about it then. But there, so there's some there's some interesting payoff to decisions you've made as a character, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Um. So I. I liked the first story. I thought it was. I got super excited when I saw that I had a choice, and I I actually got up and l- walked away from my computer to think about like what would Shongaku do? Does how because I wasn't sure how big of an effect this was going to have on Shongaku, and it and with the little subtle hints that they've been given out, it could actually have a much bigger effect on how your character's story plays out 
Yeah, I'm going to be really expected. I'm going to be really interested to do it. I almost picked the Mordant Crescent just because I was playing on a Necromancer. I was like, if <laughs> anybody's going to go with the Undead Legion, it's a Necromancer. But then, yeah, yeah. I almost, I almost switched to a uh, to a. Uh, I almost brought a Reaper in, a Reaper character in specifically, a, a Char Reaper in specifically to choose the Mordant Crescent. Uh huh. But then I decided, well, no, I'm good. What each each of my three mains that I essentially have decided to have for this expansion pack, each one will go a different route, and each one does have some head cannon for why they would pick why, what they picked. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My savoir is crazy. That's why. I mean, sure. It's you know, why not? Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, I uh, did Fashion Wars, and I think I finished Fashion Wars on my Firebrand as a result of the Mordant Crescent back piece because it's so cool so it i huge plus one to that to that thing what did you think of the next story the next uh the next story arc the night of fires one where you are invading a where you're invading a i can use words you're invading a forge base what did you think of that is that the one where you I think it's I'm the one thinking where, of a different one. Is that the one where you have the Undead Legion with you? No, that's uh, that's yeah. much, much later. I thought that was so way the, later. Yeah, so this... Spoilers, man. Oh, uh, <laughs> wait, we're doing spoilers. Uh, so this, so that one was interesting. Basically, just to recap, what happens is is you have to... You're trying to find Balthazar, and you hear that, oh man, there's this dragon Vlast, who I think we will definitely talk about, maybe not as much this episode, but you hear that Vlast, who, who is the who is the dragon that was Gleam in Guild Wars 1. Uh, apparently, he when he turned 18, he he got a legal name change. Uh, I'm so, not going to go by what you call me. That's not that's my real name. That's such a little pansy name, guys. I'm going to be Blast. It's so much cooler. So many more consonants. Gleam. Just so, <laughs> so light and friendly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, so you, sorry, we attacked Yeah, this camp. so you learn about yeah, so you learn about Vlast, and then you learn that Balthazar's hunting Vlast for some reason, and so you decide you're going to, and you also learn that that Balthazar visits these war camps. So you go and you investigate a few war camps. Uh, I think that was like weirdly enough, I think the one piece of of voice acting that I actually didn't like was in this story arc, uh, because one of the people was not one of the people you inter- you talk to about watching Balthazar. Which I have to mention, voice acting in this really good. I thought like I Guild Wars has had off and on good voice acting, but whew, voice acting this one, this round, this this entire story arc, I really liked for the most part. Which is why the the voice acting at one point in this stuck out to me. But anyways, it was it was pretty minimal. You eventually figure out, okay, Balthazar might be at this one war camp, and so you infiltrate the war camp. You have to kill sentries before they they warn the entire war camp, and there are some achievements for that. And then you fight a big boss, and then you go to the Temple of Cormir, and then the... The one where you save the, the priests. Yeah, the Herald shows up, the Herald of Balthazar shows up, and you have to save the priest from the Herald of Balthazar by calling them over to you, and then then you get sent off to the next map after that. Uh, so, what did you think of the of the mechanics? They almost felt, it almost felt like a Guild Wars 1 mission, 
it to did. have like it was a weird, little bit, like it was yeah, a little bit more but, complicated. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, not yeah. not like hard complicated, but especially the stuff with eliminating the sentries and keeping yeah. NPCs at bay felt a lot more alive. Rather, it felt a lot more Guild Wars one y. Um, like especially with side objectives uh, in Guild Wars one. Anybody that didn't play it, there every every mission had optional uh like bonus objectives you could do and a lot of the time it was stuff like you know kill the sentries before they do something or like it involves sort of going about things a little bit more roundabout way than just um sticking your face in the middle of things so yeah it did feel that way i found it to be pretty easy although sometimes hard to spot the scout guys um it yeah, I think I think one of them almost got it just because I didn't even realize there was one there. It was mostly in the um the big area where you sort of where there's sort of a ton of dudes and a ton of scouts because I couldn't I couldn't see them on my map and I didn't really notice them and so I thought there weren't any more. Um and then they're just and then they're just sort of work. Uh but yeah. I managed to catch them in time. Nice. Did you So one of the interesting things I found was that uh there is your enemies I, I don't know if it's if you kill the last oh no no so the main objective is of course to kill those the generals there right right and one of the things i found interesting was there is an achievement to kill all of the enemies in the area yeah i think i got that one the only way to do it just as a just as a tip to people playing who maybe are having a hard time with it kill all of the enemies before you kill the last general you have to keep the last general alive uh, otherwise they will just leave the area so you need to make sure to kill generals last basically yeah uh, i i i don't remember if i got it but i was pretty thorough it wasn't something that i was overly yeah. fussed about but um yeah i i liked it there was a a lot of stuff going on a lot of enemies um the the rifle guys basically the dead eye enemies um, oh yeah the 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 new version of uh of what do they call them the what were those guys in the archer guys in yeah in well, hot i don't know I was yeah the mordrum snipers yeah um those guys hurt quite a bit sometimes they do i uh, will say i used a lot of the uh, uh corrosive poison cloud oh i just sucked them. it up and <laughs> died um <laughs> yeah uh, i liked it i you know there was there was some degree of uh, careful aggro management well i yeah it was it was a fun it was a fun like balancing act i liked the scenery the aesthetic of sort of it reminded me a lot of the char um like homeland slash city uh which i'm the uh, the black citadel um sort of it was like a black citadel with i don't know i like i don't know how to describe it it was almost like a i just got that vibe from it um just because of all the yeah because of all the metal and the fire and yeah molten exactly. forging concepts yeah yeah i yeah. can see that yeah yeah it's, um, it is a very definitely has that feel yeah uh so yeah, I liked it. And then for the follow-up part with the um, the priests, I found it really easy. Uh, I didn't know if they could even take a hit. I don't think any of them ever took one for me, so I don't know how hard it was supposed to be. I did not know what I was doing when I went into that fight, 
And so they definitely, I lost like four or five of them right away. And then I was like, oh, oh, that's, you literally just have to push a button. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was a cute gimmick, you know? Um, yeah. I will, there's, there is a, there was an achievement. Now I'm just thinking about this because I did it. I think I finished it in between last episode and this episode boy i'm like super salty about one of the achievements that i got hosed out of on the last mission uh i won't say what it is but i i'm still salty about it we'll talk about it when we get there but yeah uh i do like that you can get the achievements on your first run through the mission now i believe it was what in season two of living story like you couldn't actually get the achievements on your first yeah, run through in season two and in heart of thorns you had to go through it multiple times to get the achievements which was a bit bleh on sometimes if especially if you didn't particularly like one given mission yeah i mean it's it's i just like that you can do it and it sort of gives you some extra fun challenge um the first time you do it you know because you can just do it right off the bat if you're not concerned about how hard it's gonna be yeah yeah that is so it is nice to be able to have that option exactly just sort of be like i'm gonna do it this way and then and then you do it that way yeah i mean you're realistically you're almost certainly not going to get all of them on your first run through but you know you can get you can get a fair number of them right it cuts down on the number of times you have to do it um so yeah i don't know uh how about you how is your how'd you feel about those that couple of story instances I really liked them. Uh, I thought, especially that sec that that second chapter with the Night of Fires. Uh, it, it was also helpful that Evie and Guild had uh, had a just nutsoid Japanese song where it's a bunch <laughs> of. It was so weird in Discord where it was this video music video of people singing Night of Fire, and then Evie would regularly break into song while he was playing through it at about the same time I was. So. So I had that that added level of humor on top of everything that I got to enjoy, but uh, I I like the mission. I like the feeling of like having these optional side things that you could do. It felt a lot more Guild Wars One-y as a mission. Uh, it was a lot of fun later on to run it with a with a, another guild member who was having a bit of trouble with it because he was he had done the uh, level eighty boost and he had run a bunch of fractals, but he had gotten a bunch of Zerker gear. And so, you know, having group content with and being used to Zerker gear with like a druid in your party or having four other people that can sort of help you out, he kind of got dropped in to the middle of a very just difficult fight. It yeah, turned out just because, you know, solo is so much different than than group play. Uh, so so we popped in and helped him out. I was definitely feeling it several times with the Scourge, um, not having Death Shroud and not having any real life gain. I was, yeah. I mean, you're definitely much squishier than a Reaper is. There was one boss, or one one thing I had to do later in the game to get the... the can I just spoil the fifth mount because ArenaNet has? Uh, I am fine with that. All right. Guys, there's a fifth mount in this game. It's a griffin. ArenaNet has it posted all over their webpage, so they spoiled it first. Uh, anyways, the uh, getting the griffin mount, there's uh, one mission where you have to talk to a ghost, 
and then the ghost you have to talk to a ghost it eventually results in you having a champion fight against a water gin that just immediately cleanses all conditions you put on it oh jeez. uh i haven't done that part yet so one of the things that had happened for me is i was having trouble with survivability as scourge so i switched from i switched the trait that increases your condition damage when you have a scepter to a trait that increases that gives you health back a percentage of all condition damage ticks comes back as health for you yeah and that was very very helpful i was running across the the whole expansion yeah no it's it's huge but if you're not able to apply any condition damage to this guy it means that if you if there's no condies on him you're not getting healed and if he's your main target then an epidemic's not going to do anything against him right uh especially and he's surrounded by uh jacondra uh he or she i guess it was a she it was a female gin uh she's she's surrounded by the jakarta the 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 knockdown lightning hammer plants yeah from guild wars one that are just ping-ponging you everywhere and it was it was it was rough and so i was like okay you know what i switched to reaper respect got my bone minions out and just went to town and that that worked out well uh, i was a bit disappointed that i couldn't clear all the content in the in it as a uh scourge but that was the one time i had to switch out a scourge so i felt pretty good about the scourge across the board yeah i lost my train of thought actually <laughs> i know i just talked oh, so long no no, no, no. i got so it, I got long, it. it was so it was related say. to what you were saying um the i did get a little bit miffed at a few bosses although at the moment i can't recall any specifically um that a few of the fights or bosses basically seem to just have phase shifts where they would cleanse all conditions and it really torqued me off because it was like you know it takes a while to build some of these conditions up and it's really annoying to basically just get your dps reset to the trash can you know every 25 percent health or whatever for no particular reason like i don't know there there were a couple different fights like that and i just like could not think of a reasonable reason for it to be that way um i guess i didn't notice it that much but there were a couple yeah. there were a couple okay it's yeah. not the end of the world but like especially when you're using your condition damage to heal it's like well okay. yeah yeah all of a sudden yeah okay, that would explain why some of my healing went away i will say i did kind of just brain dead zerg down most of the content in this like i, I don't think anything was I get. I might have been lucky, but I didn't notice anything being difficult for me as a scourge, except for that one single guy where I just could not put any conditions on. I think I died in one mission, and that's just because they took away my scepter. Yeah, yeah. There was a few of those too. A few of things like that. Um, yeah, uh, I hear elementalists had a tough time sometimes. Oh, I hear. I hear it was bad for weavers. Like weavers have essentially no survivability because they are designed to be just nutsoid dps right which is unfortunate i don't think they're higher than scourge right now well they're really high on big big targets i guess but how often do you hit that in pve outside of raids yeah yeah i i honestly don't pay too much attention to to quote dps benchmarks because they're so outside of the normal play experience for the content that i play like I can't count on all these boons and all these like situational yeah. buffs and modifiers. So it's just like, eh, yeah, whatever. Like, 
Yeah, just just be like, okay, did I hit like a saint? Did I kill the thing? Okay, I'm good. Yeah, I think that's kind of where, yeah, where it's at. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I do have a question for you. Okay, hit me. Who do you think the herald of Balthazar is? I know. Uh, I, have a I know what the I know what the prevailing theory is. Yeah, which uh, I agree with. Yeah, the prevailing theory is that it's Devona. I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. On the one hand, I think that would be really interesting to take uh, a heroic, iconic figure from Guild Wars One and effectively turn them into a misguided villain. Um, on the other hand, it seems tough to swallow as somebody who was part of, like, effectively part of the party that you know killed a god and. Like, all the stuff that you do in Guild Wars 1 and the forces that you're fighting against makes me feel like most of those most of those heroic NPCs wouldn't get taken in by that and, like, blindly follow somebody to doom the planet. Hell, I'm, I'm a little bit more sketchy on Balthazar dooming the planet. How so? Uh, how how deep down this rabbit hole do we want to go tonight? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the clear message that they're sending with this expansion. That's what everyone's saying. There's a few interesting There's a reason things. for that when everybody agrees yeah. on something and they have yeah. evidence to back it up. Okay, well, that's what Timey's saying. So that's what our nine-year-old, uh, our 16-year-old... I mean, have you noticed that us. every time we kill a dragon, things get worse? Oh, yeah, have you noticed that uh, when we kill a god, things get worse? Uh, uh, do they, though? So, hell, well, that's the interesting thing is. So, uh, I I will talk more about Besides, he's theories not a god and anymore. stuff. Well, that's a valid point. I will talk more theories about that uh, when we get to later story stuff and, and when we get to talking about the end of the the expansion. Because sure. I, I have some ideas that... Okay. Uh, are probably wrong, but that I think could be. I mean, we've been tooting be right. the I'm pretty sure it's a bad idea to be killing these dragons horn for literally years before that was officially part of the story. Yeah. So I, I mean, feel like it's a little revisionist history to be like, well, now that they agree with us, that probably can't be. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I am. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I, yeah. It probably is that it's bad to kill the dragons. Um, It'll be yeah although i'm not sure there are uh, i'm not sure how deep i want to go into this until we get to later stuff and maybe have some more people on the show that i can terrify with tinfoil hat theories uh <laughs> i will uh i will put a pin in that thought okay. process okay also i mean isn't isn't the evidence basically just the weapon that they're wielding uh that who's wielding that that isn't the evidence that the herald is devona basically just the weapon that she is using and the fact that it's a woman no there's actually a lot more evidence uh yeah getting back to that uh so the big evidence is there are burning scrolls that are assumed to have been written by devona uh or not devona but by the herald describing how she met balthazar and that sort of thing in the fisher whoa uh how she met him and and they and they and she wanted to and she was sort of writing like almost to her father uh we assume because of sort of some sketchy like almost 
uh, I would say almost Dark Souls-esque lore. But basically, she's writing to someone. She's like, Father, you f- something something Guild Wars, something something Escalon. So it sounds like they're from Ascalon. It sounds like someone in there that they are talking to or they themselves fought in the Guild Wars or were somehow involved in the Guild Wars. And then uh, they want their father to be proud of them. And Devona was very much so... Uh, someone that wanted her to be proud there's a crap ton of guild wars one just across the board nostalgia as well um uh, just in the entire expansion pack so it would make sense that they'd be pulling from guild wars one for this character's backstory uh as well and so it just it 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 kind of fits because she did also worship worship balthazar that was a big thing not a huge thing in her character but it was definitely an element and she is one of the few characters that, you know, actually went to the Fisher Woe with you. Like, you could bring Devona, I believe, along with you to the Fisher Woe. Sure. So, you know, th- there is that narrative beat that ch- these things all sort of fit within her character. Um, yeah, and- I mean, that. well, anything involving the mists and the afterlife, I feel like, could be attributed to anybody. It doesn't necessarily have to have happened during... Guild Wars 1. That's true, yeah. I mean, if she died and went to the mists and worshipped Balthazar, she would have gone to his realm, probably. Grenth right. would have been like, off you go. Go go fight alongside Valhalla. Have fun. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I, I'm, I think it's, I think it's probably Devona. I, I'm on board with that, ex, with that theory. I, I wouldn't hate it. I'm not completely sold. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It, it would be interesting. It's a, kind of a bold move to uh you know and i don't feel like uh well we'll get to that ah i just want to talk about all the story i i don't feel like they really did would have done a disservice to devona as a character either just with the narrative beats that they hit with this character if that makes sense i mean part of it's probably biased by the the humans you interact with that oh gosh where was it that were like pro balthazar was that in season, uh, story six yeah and yeah five draconis monas as well oh but yeah uh no that was five when you go to draconis mons i believe because you go no it was six six because uh yeah yep six yeah because in there like <laughs> the way that the those like so-called priests of balthazar acting you know you're like hey this is actually gonna destroy the world and they're like haha sucker who gives a shit i'm like yeah i think great i mean well i think that there's an element of of a mantle affecting so the argument so basically any priest of the gods is going to be channeling the same source of the gods of that god and i feel like but are they? Because the gods haven't spoken to or interacted with humans in, like in 150 or 200 years. Right, but you're still tapping into that same elemental magic, just like... Uh, just are like, you? Yeah, it's just like the Orians could take over a Balthazar temple and use Balthazar magic, basically, and then you could clear it in ore, just like Zaitan could tap into basically god magic, um, and then you had to purify it. Okay. And so I I feel like and I feel like even though Balthazar technically didn't have his mantle like he did in Guild Wars 1, I feel like he still tapped into the same sort of source and could influence his followers through that. I feel like there was a lo- it when I when they were acting like, "Ah, the world's going to burn." I was like, "Oh, holy smokes, he's mind controlling these people." Like he's 
he's doing something to their heads. Mm. Which, if Alyssa's on playing on Balthazar, Team Balthazar, which I think she is, uh, that could also explain some mind control. Need a tin foil helmet. You do. You do. I I I have to say. I don't always agree with with wooden potatoes, but I definitely agree because his list's theories match pretty much what I was thinking as I was playing through this entire expansion. Well, I haven't watched any of his videos about the expansion yet, so okay, yeah, uh, yeah, Lissa. Uh, well, I don't agree that she's an antagonist. He thinks she's an antagonist. I don't think that that's what's happening. Yeah, but that's only because you don't think that Balthazar is actually in the wrong and that the planet's going to burn. Well, well, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. if you accept that thing that everybody seems to be basically in agreement on, then I, hap- helping Balthazar is tantamount to being a villain. You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta rep the uh, the dis- the the crazy folks on the edge. I am the I am the Joe Rogan of Guild Wars Two. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Okay um do you want to talk about the stuff about players going back to hot or do you want to leave that more until we've talked about other maps i think we can hold off on that because i i i don't think i will say that there is an element of a lot of people are still playing in hot or going back to heart of thorns and i don't think that's a bad thing i think that one of the a lot of people have been complaining there's no meta events in guild wars in path of fire like in hot and hot but I think it's actually kind of good because that doesn't, it means that the meta event people who really like meta events can still go do meta events. Like they're not locked out of Heart of Thorns, so they can just go back. And because Guild Wars 2 just gives you rewards the way that, you know, uh, rewards are generally pretty equal across the board. Right. I, I mean, I, I think remember good. talking about that before the expansion uh, came out uh, where I was kind of worried about some of these achievements and um especially collections that required meta events in heart of thorns that they might just become too unpopulated as people sort of moved on especially because that is sort of what happened with Corteria is most people just moved on to heart of thorns so i yeah. think that it's kind of not a bad idea really like you said to sort of have different kinds of content in the expansion so that you know, it doesn't invalidate the old content. Like, if you want to do these big, crazy meta events, like, there's a place for that. And, you know, um, it's... Yeah, I, I actually think that's okay. I think that's fine. So, Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, would you like to maybe just uh, call it there, since Spirit is uh, unexpectedly unavailable? and uh maybe just talk about some of this other topic stuff next week yeah i feel like there's a lot of things that we can sort of chew our way through over the next few weeks yeah and i mean i think i think especially with some of these things especially relating to the guild hall and such uh spirits input will be valuable as the guild leader um and and as we speak some of my opinion regarding the guild hall is actually slightly changing as i'm beginning to think and learn and figure out things about the guild hall I was I was a bit unhappy about the guild hall because I was having a hard time finding a place to build my arboretum, and uh, then I just sort of was like, "Well, I'm going to try this," and it worked, and so I'm quite pleased. Yes. All right. Cool. Well, with that, um, 
do you want we should do cast cast because it's time time importance um would you like yes. to do the cast cast or should i oh man do you want me to actually you should try and say cast cast because I, I that's not happening if i try it i mean after all these years uh, i kind of have just tuned it out so it's probably not right oh okay uh but it yeah, but, uh, but i'll it. do let's, it let's hear it yeah let's uh, know, hello and welcome to Cast Cast, the podcast about the casts of other casts in the style of casts of uh, something. Something about, I almost had it. You're listening to Cast Cast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Uh, I, I just know that there's lots of casts and it's talking about the casts of other casts in the style of other casts. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Pink Day in LA is our main thing to shout out on Cast Cast this week. It is returning on October 21st from 12 to 6 p.m. CST. Uh, it's an online charity event hosted by Gamers Giving Back with the help of countless volunteers in support of cancer awareness and to help raise funds for cancer. There is a URL that I will put in the show notes, uh, pinkday.gamersgivingback.com. Yeah. cancer uh, medicine. Not We're not raising funds for cancer. Important. <laughs> Yes, cancer awareness and medicine. Uh, uh, yeah, I believe uh, the main charity that they support is the Red Cross uh, Canada, who does a lot of breast cancer research. So, yeah. And then also, uh, for those of you in Relics of War, Kate is looking for uh, about three mods to moderate our Discord channel. So if you are someone who either hasn't seen, heard our Discord, been on our Discord channel, or or wants to help out and pitch in on the Discord channel, uh, talk to Kate, and she'll she'll tell you about what she's looking for. Yes. Alrighty. Well, I think that's going to conclude our discussion for this week, and I'm going to have to sort of Frankenstein some of our notes from this week that we're putting off, and then talk about it next week. We will be back um, sometime next week, probably again on the same, same day, give or take, and that... That will be that. Uh, so thank you for listening, and that's a wrap. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.